Welcome, everybody, to Way of the Blade, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade, 100 of the Greatest Bloody Matches in Professional Wrestling History, and uh, writer on the Segunda Caída blog. I am pleased to be joined by a Segunda Caída compatriot of mine and a writer for Fan Fight and a creator of bizarre art role-playing games uh, <laughs> and one of my favorite people to read about uh, and talk to about wrestling, J.R. Goldberg. How are you, J.R.? I'm doing great. Thank you. That's a lovely introduction. Oh Better than I could have done myself. So, uh, We are here to talk about Sammy Callahan versus Danny Havoc from December 12, 2009, Cage of Death 11 in CZW, uh, a match that I know you have, uh, is, you're fond in your heart and uh, in weirdly fond in mine, probably the goriest, bloodiest, craziest match. Maybe the craziest. I don't know if it's the bloodiest, but maybe the craziest match in my book as far as the amount of ridiculous bumps and stupid stunts that both guys yeah. are willing to do. And maybe the bloodiest. I mean, bloodiest. There's some, there is some real, uh, real syrup spilled in this one. Well, it's interesting because, like, it, it is bloody, but it's not bloody, like... There's no crimson mask, so to speak, you know? I mean, Havoc has, like, a good bloody face, but, like, no one is, like, oozing out of their forehead or anything, you know? Like, I don't know, JR. I watched this match again. There's definitely some points where there's... There, I mean, there's a point where somebody's duct-taping a wound in Cammy Callahan's arm. Oh, yes, there's a the point arm where, is very gross, there's right? A point where, there's a point where you just... There's a visual where you just see Danny Havoc lying there, and there's just, like, like um... Uh, like you just somebody took a ketchup squirt bottle and just squirted a bunch of ketchup on their plate to dip some fries in, right coming from his temple. There's a lot of blood in this match from it. I mean, understandably, because these guys are just hurling each other into barbed wire and glass. I mean, yeah, the ring is literally covered in glass at yeah. various points. So, right? so the so. gimmick of Cage of Death is like a CZW. There's a CZW yearly tradition, and the cage is kind of this, um, you know, like saw movie torture <laughs> contraption thing where it's like you have three of the three of the cage uh, walls or or two of the cage walls up one side is uh two of the sides are barbed wire uh like well it varies right i mean they they change it up all the time I, who but. do we know who designs the is the cage of death is there an architect of the Cage of Death who does this every year? Is there an IMA? Frank, uh, Frank Geary. Frank right? Geary is the... It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so, well, it was interesting because when Danny Havoc passed pretty recently, right, about a year ago or so... Um, was it It was there, during COVID? I don't think it was of COVID, but... It was during COVID, uh, unrelated from my understanding. Um, but... Uh, so it came out that he had like structural drawings of like a bunch of sort of deathmatch contraptions that he had sent people. But I believe all of the cage engineering was done by John Zandig. Okay. I'm pretty sure that he did most of the cage related stuff to make it, I don't know. Safe is not the right word here. Structurally no. sound, I guess. Is that maybe also not the right word? But <laughs> visually interesting, compelling. I mean, certainly the yeah. design of this. I, you know, one of the things that this cage has is it's got like two sides of the cage are at like a 
45 degree angle down and they're just barbed wire uh, hooked with chains. So they're like, so you take these kind of bumps, like you're almost, I guess, I guess this would be like a spider net, right? Would this be what, would the, the technical yeah, I mean, the, death map? The, the easiest way to describe it is like, is like if, if two of the sides of the cage were like drawbridges for a, a castle made of barbed wire that are halfway lowered down, right? Yeah. Uh, so really, yeah. you can really fall into them in a yes. really compelling way. And then there is a scaffold above the cage as well when the and the scaffold has like similar like like 45 degree angles of barbed wire and glass sort of as the barriers on the scaffold so this is crazy this is an insane construction maybe and i I haven't watched all the cage of deaths and i don't know if that's something that i'm going to do i wrote a book about a hundred of the bloodiest <laughs> matches in wrestling history, but this kind of really contraption-y psychotic deathmatch stuff is not really my bag, to be honest with you. This match I love and I think is tremendous, but a well, lot of this... not a big glass guy, not right? a big, Isn't that... well, Not a big tubes guy, not an enormous yeah. glass guy, not yeah. like a poking guy. Like, I don't, sure. I'm not, I'm not yeah. a skewers or a syringes. It's not, it's not... Again, this is the only... This was the only American death match in my book. Uh, Unless that, you count like Necro versus Joe. But right? I don't, right? I'm talking, I'm talking about that's just a brawl. That's just that's just sure. Buzz yeah, Sawyer versus no, Jim no, Duggan. Like, props or whatever, yeah, right? But I guess it happens at a CCW show. And I was right? uh, IWM itself. IWM. There's a ton show. of IWM itself in this book, but but none of their death yeah. matches, right? Like I've been talking about, like this kind of we're bringing out these these gimmick kind gimmicks kind of death matches, right? These are right. very popular, uh, yeah. very popular now. I think in uh, probably that and comedy wrestling, uh, meme wrestling are your two most popular indie wrestling trends right now. I mean, right? they're the only thing that's left, right? There's really no like indie dream match fed anymore. You know, yeah. I mean, there's you know, there's shoot style. There's a weirdly about a lot about a lot there, of indie shoot is, style. You know, Meth Lab Battle Arts is basically yeah. been the other right. Yeah. Uh, shout out to our zine, Meth Lab Battle Arts, which is available. Yeah. Uh, tell the people who are listening right now they can get our uh, collaborative, maybe the spiritual uh, godfather of Way of the Blade, the first, my first officially published work. How can they get that? <laughs> Uh, you can buy it directly from me. I have it up on my itch page, which is jrgoldb.itch.io. Yeah, that and, is uh, a, it's available there. Yeah. That is a, 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 a zine dedicated to the two, the mid to early 2000s period in IW Mid South where Ian Rotten was working all really violent math based matches. We wrote yeah. up what, 10 of them. Yeah, I think we read out nine or ten. Nine or right? Ten. There's some cool art. It's really, it's really. It is. It is. I mean, the the book, the way of the blade is very is a niche of a niche. That is a niche of a niche of a niche. But if people <laughs> like way of the blade, they like this too. I think. Uh, yeah. so got, but that, yeah, that's either here or there. Although uh, in, when we're talking about this match, but yeah, so the, those three things are the three things that that I think are are indie wrestling now is kind of mat based shoot style uh, memes. And uh, this kind of like really weapony death matches. Is this the best one ever? You're somebody who is more in that more in that world ever. For American death matches, is this the pinnacle? 
I mean, it's got to be very, very close, right? I mean, there's other death matches that I really, really like. And being put on the spot like this, I can't think of a ton that go past it. I remember a couple of years ago, Gage and Tremont had that, that trilogy of matches. They had like three matches sort of back to back to back. Um, and all of them were awesome. Um, I think the one that was most praised at the time was the one where like the, the ring was cinder blocks. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that one was the one that's I, sort of like the most pimped. Okay. But. So, but out, so it's this or rig of cinder blocks. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. Gotcha. Um, yeah. uh, so let's talk a little before we get into the specifics of this, although we've kind of touched on some of those already, D- the, the context of this feud, they had been feuding for a while. Yes. Re- before this, right? This was obviously a blow off. And I mean, it had the, you know, we can just sort of go right into it. They had the, the wrist slitting angle, right? Which was, I mean, generated a ton of buzz because CZW at the time wasn't really like a buzzworthy promotion. You know, I mean, Ring of Honor was still uh, a thing at that time. I think Gabe had just left, right? When this was happening. Sure. And, uh. So people were still like pretty into Ring of Honor. CZW was like its own little niche, right? I mean, they just sort of drew the people they drew, but it wasn't like people were buying CZW tapes all over the place to see like mid card Masada matches or whatever. Like, know? this wasn't at your. This wasn't certainly your peak of your CZW peak. That was probably no, like five no, no, years before not. this or something like that. Yeah, easy, right? Yeah. I mean, because. Uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, DJ Hyde was running it, right? Or I am relying on you for some context here, my friend. Yeah. So if no, you tell I, me DJ Hyde was running it, I will shake my head and agree I'm with you. Pretty sure Zandig was gone by this okay. point. I mean, at least like or was stepping out, but um, but they they generated buzz by you know they they had sort of had like a feud that was escalating, right? And then. At the end of that, it was the the Devil Wars Prada match, right? Yes, which I I, I also enjoyed. It was it's very the, good. Yeah, yeah. So um, they, they know they had a match. They also had a match, I think, in the the tournament of at death TOD. that, that yes. year. That I I'm looking back at sort of my write ups of this stuff during around around the t- 2009 when this happened. I wrote so a lot of this stuff up on Segunda Caida because I was fond of this uh, of this yeah. feud. And I think they had, yes, a Caribbean spider net death match at uh, Tournament of Death. And then they had a Devil Wars Prada death match, which I, I believe that was purses with, like, weapons in them. And yeah, the, it was like a, a, like a grab bag on a pole match, right? Where, like, th- every corner of the ring had a, a mystery bag. And you could like grab something, and who knows who knows what was in it. And like, if I'm remembering right, the the finish was they both went for a pole, right? And Sammy Callahan got like a power drill or something insane, right? Like it yes. may as well have been a, a shotgun. Who, I, I'm who reading my review right now. It looks like it was a power drill. <laughs> okay, and then Danny Havoc got like uh, either like salt or or something I, like re- a powder. I'm reading, I'm reading my review, and it was hairspray. Ah, hairspray. That well, that fits the right. The gimmick, and this also also had. I want we have to mention this. um, It also had a boards with high heeled shoes on them, 
was yes. also part of the Devil Wears Prada gimmick. So we were taking bumps uh, of like boards instead of having, you know, thumbtacks or glass or whatever. This was high heel shoes, which high heels, yeah, it would suck taking a bump into some high heel shoes. I think it would actually suck very bad. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but after the match, uh, which which Havoc wins, um, Sammy Callahan takes out a switchblade and cuts Danny Havoc's wrist. Right. Um, and like the the locker room clears, right? They do a very good job of like making it seem like this was a line that had been crossed completely. And I'm re- you know? it's funny. I'm reading my review as I read this now. When I said that it reminded me of Terry Funk with the plastic bag or Shane Douglas shaking Pitbull's halo, where the viewers like, okay, this is not even CZW. We've yeah. gone past a point where. Where we're we're comfortable with this, which is not an easy thing to do in CZW because the kind of whole point of CZW was it was like you know Jersey trash trying to kill each other. I mean, it wasn't like right. there wasn't hard to find a point. There wasn't points, but this was a point. I mean, I think <laughs> this really. was a point. Yeah. It was an inflection point for yeah. sure. Um, so that was like the the major thing that I remember about that feud and then it led to this. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, now looking at it in hindsight, because basically these matches are the only death matches that Sammy Callahan ever did, you know? Um, did he do like something the, against Pentagon or were those just brawls? I think a lot of those are just brawls. Like, you know, just like, cause he, he did a bunch of like walking brawls with weapons and stuff like that. But I don't like in terms of like a true, like, you know, tubes or glass or whatever. I think it was really only this feud. Yeah. He's really good at it. He, I know yeah, Callahan I mean, is a person with some, with, there's some complications about his, his, uh, his legacy. Well, uh, I mean, we, we can talk about a couple things. I mean, w- w- certainly he's not the, only wrestler to be an awful person, right? Um, no, so it is what it is, right? <laughs> that, that, um, fair, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are a lot of there are awful people all over the place in all kinds sure. of professions, right? I don't know if wrestling has has neither the monopoly or even there's more. You think there are more awful people in wrestling than like in stand up comedy? <laughs> no, I mean uh, it's probably about the same, <laughs> yeah. frankly. Um, the the thing about Sammy Callahan, like I still find him a, a quite a compelling figure. Um, even though I mean I don't think he's a very compelling wrestler anymore, because I I truly feel like his WWE run completely broke him emotionally and spiritually. You know, like he came back to the Indies and you could tell he just like was not the same person. Yeah, I mean he's had there's some stuff. Yeah, sure. I like I, there was that low key match, right? Yeah, low key match I really liked with a bad finish, but otherwise is very good. Uh, speaking of uh, people who are compelling wrestlers, but may not be the best people, our friend Loki. <laughs> I, I mean, he's the poster boy. Right? I mean, look, I, look, I don't want to Loki. If you want to do my podcast, you can come on and deep voice on my podcast about Brady I mean, Chris and, and like, here's the thing: I'll have like, you on, buddy. No problem. Aside, until the the uh, the COVID denial stuff, which, like, frankly, come on, we all should have seen coming, right? <laughs> like, it's low key. Like, if right. if you if you told me, like, hey, a wrestler has has come out and said, like, th- they are too healthy to get COVID. Like, who do you think it is? Like, Loki is a top five guess, right? Sure, Easy. absolutely. Yeah. It was not, it was disheartening, but not shocking. Yeah, he was somebody I always defended before that. 
It's like, oh yeah, yeah he's somebody that people don't like because he fucks over promoters. You know, are also shitty, almost universally shitty people. Wrestling promoters, yeah. okay? It's like, yeah. You know. No, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a staunch low key defender because I, I feel like most of the the negative narratives surrounding him are clearly just promoter fed when it's a guy who knows his worth. Right. Yeah. Like I don't care that Loki fucked over Gabe. Like that doesn't make him a bad person. <laughs> you know, in yeah. fact, that probably makes him a better person. I mean, fandom is, there are a lot of very pro, uh, pro uh, management people when it comes to management labor decisions, which is something that I do not understand. It's like, a, you know, I mean, uh, it's a, oh, yeah, it's a very weird strain where no. it's just like, you know, a lot of these disputes, people are just, you know, will automatically, and I just, and, and there are no circumstances I, am I ever siding with ma- labor over, uh, management over labor in any, of any, in any way. So much less uh, something like professional wrestling, which is a meat grinder for the people who are involved in it. Well, no, it's insane. And it's, it's hypocritical too, because the, 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 there are people that are like, would tell you that they're staunchly, you know, pro wrestling union, like there needs to be a wrestling union. And those same people would be like, oh, Loki just needs Burned to use another for himself. He, but then he, but then he, but then he did and, like, the weird COVID denial thing and he's on like that. He's, yeah, he I think he's working bridge. at uh, QAnon uh, uh, um, bikers against child trafficking show. <laughs> it's like, it's it's a bummer because I think there's a, it's morally good to be on his side and things that you can't do yeah. it anymore, right? It's like, okay, I... <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it is true. It's hard it's hard to defend him. But hey, at least he did not, you know, abuse a spouse or, you know, former lover like one person in this match yeah. allegedly did. So um, Sammy Callahan as a but, uh, you know, aside from that, at one point I think was a very very good wrestler. Yeah, I mean, you can make sort of like a fringe wrestler of the year case for him basically at any point in the late 2000s, early 2010s, right? I mean, that Finley match was a revelation, right? I mean, that series was really good. All this stuff is really good. He had like a really fun IW Mid-South run where he had like really great matches against like Necro and I think Two Gold Scorpio and Kingston and all those guys that are really good, probably worth revisiting. Um, Yeah, I mean, he was. there was a point where he was... I I still think he's probably uh, had a better... I don't know where would he, Moxley was his tag partner, right? And obviously, he's gone on to tremendous more yes. success. But I'd probably rather watch a best ten Sammy Callahan matches than a best ten John Moxley matches. Yeah, I mean, no question. Uh, honestly, there's no question in my mind uh, that that that's the case. I mean, I never found Moxley like particularly compelling or interesting on the indies, especially. You know, I mean, it, it's easy to see that he would be the more successful of those two because he's like literally a foot taller, uh, you know, and more traditionally charismatic, you know, I was a period like your Moxley period before he, uh, well joined the WWE. I thought he was a really, really good mic worker, mm-hmm. which more than, oh, yeah. but in, in fine in the ring and, and really, and I don't, his mic work now, I, I think it's fine, but not as the same as like the weird shit he was doing where he would like, uh, talk, uh, give, you know, like kind of uh, these foolish promos where he would be talking about how he had to walk past prostitutes and his mother was a drunk and all that kind of shit where he really did come off like hey, yes. that stuff was really good uh, in a way that yeah. that kind of 
like you see it was he did Raven shit significantly better than Raven did. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I mean it was uh I think that both him and Callahan in some ways are very much like um you know uh subtext is for cowards wrestlers like like they're like hey these are my influences and i'm just gonna throw them out there for you and uh moxley was probably not fully better than fully but like moxley was better than his influences in a lot of ways and sammy callahan was better than his influences in ring but probably like not in the way that is compelling on a mainstream level right he's really short too yeah, and he's like five. Yeah, four, that's, yeah, right? that's the other uh, thing. I think more than anything else, why wasn't he successful in NXT or, or whatever? I think it was, you know, at some point there's, you know, your height is height, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you just, you know, when when you're in NXT and you need to uh, make your hair like stick up like a troll doll so that you don't look embarrassingly small, I mean, you're, you're doomed from the start. Fucking you know? short people. I mean, it's not like we're not talking about 1988 anymore. <laughs> I mean, there, there's no, some guys who are yeah. pretty short in that promotion, but I mean, when you're in the ring with Adam Cole and people are like, man, shit, this guy's small. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, that was, I remember I, I saw the first time I ever saw Adam Cole. Uh, I actually saw him. I think it was at an Evolve show where he was working Jimmy Jacobs, and Jimmy Jacobs was working at his giant, his like Big Show versus Ray. <laughs> He's like, like that was how the match was being worked. Like Jimmy Jacobs was working at his like a giant punishing a tiny guy. And I'm like Jesus, how big is this Adam Cole? Is he like like Jimmy Jacobs just towering over him and just bullying him around the ring like he was uh, Stan Hansen or something like that. I love the the like the Jimmy Jacobs big timing people <laughs> matches like either intentionally or unintentionally. I think it's so yeah. funny. Um, did you ever see his title defense against Mickey? No, I kind of. So he he has this IWA Mid South title defense against Mickey Knuckles that goes like twenty minutes and is like very clearly Ian's version of like an Attitude Era schmaz main event there's like four referees a locker room clearing brawl is this the, during the period uh, where he held he had the belt and like was was sort of but was had turned on iw business right after he threw in the garbage or something like that yeah so it's uh it's around that same period where he's he's basically like a lawler-esque hide the chain champion you know Ooh. um sounds good but it, it's really great i mean it's great uh, but I mean, he, like the opening 10 minutes of the match are him just like, uh, like hitting Mickey with like nineties WWF finishers. This is Mickey knuckles, by the way, for people who are not, uh, so deep into the minutia <laughs> of, of, of early, of late 2000s indie wrestling like me and JR. Do you think there's people listening to this podcast who don't know Mickey Knuckles on like a first it's name possible, basis like we right? do? I mean, I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think it's possible people subscribe to this because uh, Tony Khan was on and now that now this is what they're getting? Me and you reminiscing Maybe. about uh, about Mickey Dickel, whatever. I'm ruining, I don't, I'm ruining what, your chance uh, of stardom, right here. Chance, I, I've never, I never had a chance, and never desired a chance. But I'm saying there might be some people <laughs> who, like, who, you know, picked a, got into this that way, and now it's me and you, uh, you know, reminiscing about I mid South matches with. <laughs> 
talking about a match from 16 <laughs> years ago that five people remember fondly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is look. This is what was going to happen when we did this podcast. I mean, we, we, it, it, we are talking about a CZW Cage of Death match, right? This is not the one I'm doing on yeah. Bret Hart, Steve Austin, right? Like this is this is this, <laughs> and which is you know the, one of the things that I like the most about this book is that it look at the you know I set out to do something that was going to put a match like this in the same you know on the same level canon. in the same canon yeah. as. Uh, you know, Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard and, you know, and uh, uh, Viano 3 in Atlantis and, and, and all of that stuff because I think it, this match belongs there. This is, this is a match, yeah. you know, we will lose a chance to get back to this. This is a match that is, is w- worthy to be discussed in the thing. It is tremendous. Oh, I, yeah. is, I mean, the effort the level of bumps the the fact the way that you could do something with this much like stunt work because this was like almost like i you know it's like a jackie chan movie in a lot of ways right with the levels of like giant stunts they were doing and at no point did this ever feel like guys wandering up somewhere to do a stunt which it almost always does in every other instance well, I think they do something really smart. I think there's like the if we can actually, I'm going to talk about well, the match. Let's talk about the match. Like, let's do uh, it. Yeah, at least thirty seconds or so. So, the Callahan. I mean, I think Callahan's big strength as a worker, right, is that he basically forces people to have like sprint brawls, or at least he did at this point in his career, and almost like if people could keep up, the matches were just incredible. He's you incredible know? pace and, pusher. Like he was like a, yeah. the equivalent of like a like a boxer who's gonna or an MMA fighter who's gonna throw 125 punches around, and you either are keeping up with him or you're gonna be overwhelmed. Sure, I mean, in some ways, I mean, as a as a wrestling counterpoint, I, I sort of he's like a mini Stan Hansen, right? Where he's just like he's he's gonna come at you no matter what, right? And like that that's the match you're gonna have, and you just like you you either get run over by it or you keep up with it and it elevates it, right. you know? Um, and then the one, and the thing the about early, a lot of my issues sometimes with these kind of very prop heavy death matches is the pace is not like that, right? It is a no, lot of, a, yeah. let me get over here and set up my five chairs and light tubes and pieces of glass and shit into a nice contraption and let me walk over to you and you've been lying on the mat for two minutes while I'm doing that. I'm going to pick you up and kind of yeah. without a ton of uh, resistance throw you through it or you'll reverse it and throw me through it and then we'll, you know, wait a while and set up some other shit and do it again. Like, a lot, that is the big issue I think with a lot of these is that it just, uh, ECW, a lot of ECW brawls too, too, where it was like you're just going to need all of this construction time and it's a real, it, it really hard to keep a entertaining pace when you're doing so much uh manual labor in between each spot sure no i mean i think that there's there's two really interesting things that this match avoids and uh, the the big one is that by the start of this match being like within 30 seconds sammy callahan has gone through a pane of glass and then um maybe two minutes later danny havoc tries to set up a uh, like um, elaborate thing. He puts like two chairs together and he picks Sammy Callahan up and it gets reversed. Right. And, uh, and not used at all ever. And it, 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 from a narrative standpoint 
it tells you immediately that you're you're going to see stuff happen constantly, right? And that you're not going to have to worry about like, uh, you know, checkoffs table or you know, for right. lack of a better term. And then I think also the 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 physical structure of the cage helps with this immensely, because you uh, you know that there's going to be a big bump through the two hanging panes of glass. <laughs> right, I think uh, we mentioned the two hanging like, panes of glass. We're discussing about the structure of this thing. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's insane. But like, those are just enough out of your visual frame that you don't view it as the culmination of the match. You know, I mean, I think you probably do subconsciously, but like when they're brawling at light speed on the floor and uh, in the ring, I'm not like, Oh, this is going to end with them climbing up top. You know, Uh, uh, I'm just thinking about what they're actually doing because what they're actually doing is compelling. Yeah. And and the little stuff in this match is good. And a lot of times the little stuff in these matches is not good. Like the your kicks to the stomach look good, and the punches look good, and the selling is good, and you know what I mean. It's like sure. little stuff. A lot of times, yeah. these matches are you know, and again, maybe I'm being too hard, and I get for the I I don't I'm not somebody who seeks these kind of matches out, and I'm usually drag kicking and screaming to watch them when I watch them. But a lot of times, in the ones that I don't care for, it really is just like this is six crazy stunts without a ton of stuff in between it. Where this has got sure, I mean it's it's why you haven't loved a lot of the Zona stuff, yeah. right? I mean you've been pretty open about yeah, that. There's a Zona yeah. match in my book, but um, yeah, for the most part, a lot of that is the four things that they did are insane, and the stuff in the middle, I don't know, that didn't doesn't do a ton for me. This is a match where the little where you could these guys could have these guys would have a great match if it was just you know a street fight. And there was no weapons at all. Yeah, like absolutely. taped fist match I mean, or something I, I, like that was would be really good. I think it's telling that. Uh, that Callahan, you know, uh, his most famous match is probably the Finley stuff, right? And I mean, yeah. it, it's just as compelling in a, at a similar pace in a probably in some ways more violent match. If that's I was possible. live at the first one, uh, yeah, it was I mean, really fucking violent. It was like for and it, yeah. you know, and one of the the problem with the uh, Sammy Callahan fit Finley match at Evolve in New York. Um, and BB Kings, I don't remember the exact date, but I went, I went, took a Chinatown bus down in New York City and, and, uh, met a buddy down there, Anthony Stock down there, and we went to the show, and the rest of the car was terrible. And, uh, but that match was like one of the better live matches I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of really, really great live wrestling, luckily. Um, sure. Uh, yeah. but, uh, man alive. We're, we're, and now again, yeah, it was, was Callahan was a big, I mean, Finley was this is Finley's first match after, returning to professional wrestling after being fired from the from his like agent job in the WWE and he had this one incredible I it had to be like eight month run where he was trading all of these indie dates and they were like so all these really cool matches some of them amazing some of them just weird um yeah and uh it was uh but this was the start of the one you watched and so you weren't I mean, I was going to go see Finley wrestle live in an indie match against a guy I liked no matter what but I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be what it was and a lot of that was callahan coming you know full force out of the entire time and finley going sweet this is what we're doing awesome i'm gonna hit you as hard as i can yeah i mean and that's the that's the insane part right in some ways that match uh structurally at least at like the beginning like the sort of first act that you see of it is very similar to this match because it's just like 
I mean, if I'm remembering that Finley match correctly, and it's been a while since I watched it, like the opening of that match is Callahan just running full speed at Finley, who literally just takes his head off with a forearm, yeah. right? And <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's pretty similar to this, where it's just like saying, I'm going to jump up and did a little dance when you. that happened. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> this is what I want to see. Yeah, of course. I can kill yeah. him. Of course. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. I think I might have actually even thought that he may have knocked him unconscious. Like I, I remember when I yeah. said, I think no. I think that may have been my initial reaction when I saw it. I was like, oh, this match is going to go forty seconds. I guess it's got to go forty seconds. It might as well be a fucking Mike Tyson fight. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's legitimately. It looked like he got it. he knocked him yeah. out. I mean, he might have. Yeah, that's Who knows? He might have woken I remember, up. When he I mean, that, that Scorpio match, that two cold Scorpio match, is very similar too. I remember listening to an interview where Sammy Callahan said, "Like, I went up to him in the back before that match, and like introduced myself, and he just stared at me, and I knew that I was just gonna get demolished, and so I just went into that match fully expecting to get my ass handed to me." You know, yeah. I mean, so that, I mean, that was what you could. That was that was what made this period kind of of his. I mean, it's weird. I mean, again, you're right. He had a he's had a pretty long career, still wrestling, uh, and now, yeah. but you know, and this was he had, he had like it was like one of those basketball players who had like a three year run, and then just hung around. Oh, so that's interesting. So it's super because in my notes um, uh, for this, I. And I don't think it's the perfect analogy by any means, but I wrote that I thought Callahan is in some ways like Iverson, where he's this guy who had like this tremendous gear, like just absolute gear that other guys didn't have. But then once he lost that, he couldn't adjust and changed and and the other people passed him by completely. Oh, man, Iverson seems too good. Uh, yeah, for sure. Iverson's maybe maybe good. those maybe like two Col- those uh, three years of that one like Boston Isaiah Thomas year, wherever like where yeah, he was like you know, he had like good. thirty average like thirty one points and then never could do it again. Boogie Cousins. Yeah, they're about the same height. Yeah, too, the same so. height. <laughs> well, no, because they're about the same height in context, right? Isaiah Thomas is <laughs> six feet tall, which would make him a fucking giant <laughs> in indie wrestling, right? Like, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I think mean, Boogie Cousins. I think I, he had oh, sure. a, he, yeah, I, he yeah, had a yeah. good, I was watching the, 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 I was just, this is not going to come out uh, a while after this, but when this is being recorded, I was watching a, uh, the Suns Clippers playoff game before coming down here. Where he blew and, it. But, and Cousins yeah. had like a good, like, about like six minutes where he scored like nine points. I was like, oh yeah. But that was like kind of that, right? It was like, he had this period where he was, but you know, other, other things and then injuries and whatever have kind of dulled that. But there was a special, time for him and this was really at the peak of it yeah um and yeah. i you know and, and let's talk a little about danny havoc too because he's somebody i'm not as familiar with but certainly he is not a passenger in this match no 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 i mean havoc is is tremendous here and i think havoc is probably the most at least to me like the most personally compelling of of that era of of deathmatch workers he's also very clearly like the most i don't know not in ring charismatic i think there's people that are more charismatic than him in ring but like uh, i don't know if you've ever heard him on commentary phil but he is like a or was i suppose a engaging intelligent person in a 
in a field where his peers are not, I guess would be the way that I would put it. You know? Sure. That's not, that's not, I, I don't, I do not believe, I mean, I mean, certainly probably have heard about commentary, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have any like memory of it, especially, but, uh, I think you, I mean, I certainly, when he passed, there were a lot of, he was somebody who was remembered very almost universally fondly by everyone, which is extremely rare, especially in the, the like high school, lunchroom that is deathmatch wrestling where everybody hates right. one another you know um and he was this was kind of his he was not a guy who ever went anywhere or did you know like he was a guy who this was the thing that he wanted to do and you know and that's what he did yeah. right he was like a yeah. guy who, who yeah. wanted he was a czw trainee was probably somebody who with 15, 14 or 15 years old i imagine was watching you know Zandig and Lobo and uh, and uh, Justice Payne and those guys and you know and I mean I'm sure that Havoc was watching the you know FMW stuff too. I mean he really strikes me as like a Japanese deathmatch mark. Sure, you know, but I don't yeah. think he's somebody who ever had the ambitions to do to to be anything more than the Tournament of Death champion. Right, that was his title. Sammy yeah. Callahan had some yeah, ambitions. And, you know, it somewhat fulfilled them, right? I mean, I guess he, the guy who, got, you know, was able to make a living wrestling uh, in a way that I yeah. imagine Danny Havoc probably never did. Uh, he was probably always working at a tattoo shop or, a, you know, a, a, as a mechanic or whatever. I don't know what he, what he, you know, a graphic designer. I mean, you know, he had certainly always was paying his bills in a way that wasn't professional wrestling. Uh, Correct. And, yeah. uh, and um, but, you know, and was so, in a lot of ways, I have a lot of time for guys like that, right? Who's who have very specific goals and are going to go for those goals, and you know, aren't interested in SSC. You know, they're not. They're not, they don't. They're not going to sign. Their band's never going to sign a major label. They're happy being, you know, they're happy being the local legend, right? They're happy being the best band in Pittsburgh that everybody grew up a hardcore yeah, band I mean, in Pittsburgh, especially or if they they have a clear understanding of their right. niche, right? Which I think Havoc did. You know, I mean. And this isn't to sell Havoc short. I mean, it sounds like we're, I, I think we're specifically, we've talked a lot about Callahan, who probably because he, the matches wrestled very specifically at his pace, right? We're, we're you know, saying that he's the leader of this, or the standout of this match. But I mean, Havoc, uh, again, another guy with probably a, a really compelling top 10, you know, a really compelling greatest hits. I mean, that, that Gulak match, is very very good yeah. the the barbed wire one you know i mean this match is great the the other callahan stuff is really great um and i mean just you know beyond that you know other deathmatch stuff too i mean he's a, a, a compelling figure i think yeah and it was very it was you know both of these but both of these guys took crazy bumps in this he probably was on the recipient of the bigger ones. I don't know. Where would you go if you had to rate? There's two giant bumps, giant, giant bumps. There's a lot of smaller bumps, but Callahan. Well, so. The finish. There's, there's, there's three scaffold bumps, right? Uh, and all of them are preposterous. The first one is Callahan going face first through the pane of glass to the, to the ring. Right? And what it reminded me, I think, what I think about in the book, and, and when I think I think I just 
cribbed it from my original review. Is it reminding me of the kind of thing you would see in a Jackie Chan movie and the where they would show you at the end in the end credits, the Jackie Chan, there was no, yeah. the, Jackie Chan just went through this pane of glass face first. He didn't fucking, he wasn't yeah. a fucking stunt man and it wasn't, and there was no, no camera tricks. Here, watch, look what he did. That's what it kind of felt like to me. Like, what in the world? Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you know, professional wrestling in the 20th century, in the night, starting in the 90s, has a lot of, these sort of, you know, moments of gigantic bombs, certainly is something WWE does, does a ton of, and almost all of those are very, are the equivalent of CGI action movie things, right? Uh, crash mm-hmm. pads and all that stuff, and, you know, where they get wire, wires, and all, you know, not all of them, obviously, the Mick Foley case, Hell in the Cell bump is just that nut getting thrown off a cage, right? The thudding. But, you know, sure. a lot of those Steve Blackman ones, and Shane McMahon ones, and stuff like that. And, yeah, where they're going off the top of the Titan yeah, Tron, and that's all. Else, that's yeah. all special effects. And this was, this yeah. was, this was practical effects. Yeah, the, the opposite, opposite of that. <laughs> this is stunt work, and it's yeah. really impressive stunt work, and I don't know how you can, I don't know if there's any way to safely go face first off a scaffold through panes of glass. Maybe it's just you just, you know, cross your fingers and hope you don't get cut your throat open. Uh, yeah. Uh, which are, yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, uh, I I could be, you know, I guess if there's a huge Sammy Callahan fan out there who's listening to this or if Sammy Callahan is listening to this, uh, I'm sorry. Um, don't kill me. But uh, if I'm remembering right, uh, I I rem- think around this time Sammy Callahan's mother had passed and he was in a very dark place in his personal life, which led to some decisions like the bump he took here and I think his death match run as a whole that maybe he would not have made otherwise. Okay. So this is, this is the equivalent of this is him being a cutter. Yeah. I think basically, yeah, I think that's what we're looking okay. at here. Um, five some but, time uh, for it as so an entertainment. That, uh, that doesn't say great things about me. No, uh, no or uh, me, but uh, I'm okay. into it. Um, but uh, so that bump is preposterous, and then the the second bump is the one where Callahan reverses uh, another like a you know an attempted DVD uh, into like a STO through the pane of glass and through a table down in the oh, ring, yes. right? And that bump is bad simply because none of it works right like the the pane of glass doesn't break the they don't really hit the table um so they basically just do an sto from like you know uh 15 feet up to the ring yeah and it really yeah it doesn't look like any of the attempts to uh to buffer it at all none of them work it's just a straight fall, yeah. and the got pane of yeah. glass doesn't break, but there is broken glass all over the ring. So it's everywhere. like it just yeah. I mean, it everywhere. looks like a it looks like a the aftermath of a car bombing, uh, or, yeah. or something like that, or you know, or the uh, scene in uh, Die Hard where Hans Gruber tells him to shoot the windows out. 
is what the fucking ring looks like uh, in this match. So it's like, so uh, I apologize if I'm just stealing jokes I already wrote about this match. But look, was, you know, I got I got 15 things that are funny to say about it. If I got to repeat about a podcast, read the book where I wrote them down too. So the point, the That's point fine. is like that. Like yes, it would have. It probably would have been better if they had been able to hit that fucking table <laughs> as opposed to just coming yeah. down on the the just the the immense amount of broken glass which is covering every. Uh, inch of the ring at this point. Yeah. See, so yeah, I kind of a, um, a little forgot about that one because, yeah, it doesn't work, but it's still, like, really nasty. Oh, yeah, it's awful. And then, the, of course, the, the finish, the penultimate bump or ultimate bump, I guess, is the, the uh, what is it? It's like a reverse DDT through two panes of glass off the scaffold through a yes. table. Is it through a table? Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's the it's there's the two hanging panes of glass, and then a table directly underneath. Okay, so at it. least there's the table. Yeah. Oh. Um. But they go through it hard. Yeah. There's like, a lot it, of momentum. It is a. It is a fast bump. Um. The 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 best. It's like a reverse implant DDT. It's like, it's like how Gangrel used to do his DDT, but you know, to the back. Right. Of that the was head, and that was basically. kind of. Callahan tries to is basically slits his neck, slits his throat. I think to set that up is that he's got a knife. Yeah, he like I think he cuts him on the he's shoulder. A, yeah, like neck, shoulder. Yeah, it's hard to see. You can't. But see he it like very pulls well. a knife and and reverses a like a fireman's carry by like stabbing him or cutting. I think cuts him. Yes, and stabs yeah. him uh, with a knife, but slices him with a knife and then takes him all the way down through the plates of gas and the table and for the. Uh, end of the match, which is an end of the match. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a great finish. It's a tremendous finish. And you know, again, it's like they kind of had they had a bunch of really, really, really insane things, and then they ended it with the best thing, which is you know that's yeah. that's not always true in a lot of uh, you know that that's I think a problem uh, sometimes in a lot of indie and actually just current wrestling where you know like you just don't end the match on the. You know, you'll end the match two minutes after the thing that should have ended the match because you had to do three more kickouts. Right. Man, right. This match ends when it should end. No, yeah. I mean, it absolutely uh, feels like this should be the ending. And they do a very good job. And I, 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 I don't know how they do it. Or at least I don't have a narrative device or whatever to, to tell you why it's important. But the other two bumps don't feel like match enders you know they feel like huge bumps but they don't feel like transitions where they're thrown away immediately like they feel like really important things that happen in the match but they there's never a second when those two bumps happen where i'm like oh why are they still going right like it there there's compelling things that happen after them that sort of flow naturally from those bumps i think and i think i'm higher on the the like head drop section towards the end of the new are like i don't mind it i mean i think that they uh it's not perfect because they they're that's the only portion of the match where there's like a little bit of fussiness and like let's set up some some glass and tables and whatever else you know but I don't mind it as an idea, certainly, you know? 
Yeah, it wasn't my favorite, but I, you know, watching the match again for this, I think I minded it less than when I watched it the first time. Sure. Uh, sure. But, sure, you know, sure. it, it did feel a little bit like, you know, I think this is especially in the context of 2009. It's like, what, do we have to have fucking no-sell suplex sections? and Or not really, no, they sold them. But that kind of, like, exchange head drops thing was something that was, I don't think is as prevalent now, but it was very prevalent then and really felt a little unnecessary. Sure. Yeah. yeah there, there's like a, there's a section too, where they like, they each no sell the other's finisher and then they like both claps, which feels like a very of its time indie moment. You yeah. Know? And it, you know, and, it, and uh, the other parts of this match do not necessarily feel uh, wedded to a time. No, absolutely not. Right yeah, in a way yeah. that they, they, um, the rest of this match feels much more, you know, you much more uh, like universal in a way that, that those yeah. couple moments really felt like yes, this is 2009 indie wrestling. This is ROH has been going on for a while. And this is you know like this is what what you have in these things. Right. And we they didn't need it, and it, and it, we, and it didn't improve it. But it's sort of, I don't think it in, in any way really damaged it as a, as a match. Sure. Like, I saw I saw probably around, no, after this, like, maybe three or four years after this, I saw Callahan main event an AAW show against Davey Richards. No, thank you. And, like, there, there were moments that, like, felt like that, right? Of just, like, there, you know, that just a... Uh, a misunderstanding in that particular match, the the one we're talking about, of like, oh, the fans want this, like they they want to see, they want to see, uh, you know, like a head drop sequence or whatever, right? But and maybe um, they, I mean, you know, I'm, I was not, a, I was not in the crowd of CZW in two thousand nine, so maybe they did want to see that. Uh, I, I mean, uh, probably. <laughs> I mean, the crowd is pretty hot. I mean, it's a, you know, it's I mean, a what. So I'm, I, I want to do. Let's let's look. I, what's the card of this match? I'm kind of curious what what the what what would have been. What's the context of? Let me. Uh, well, the uh, the other big match was Nick Gage versus Thumbtack Jack, right? Like uh, I I think that's uh, that was. No, I'm looking at the card now. Oh yeah, so no roped barbed wire Nick Gage versus Thumbtack Jack match. Uh, I don't know how that was. Okay. Thumbtack Jack is a, a if I remember correctly a German. Deathmatch wrestler who had like a period, a brief moment of infamy around this time. Yeah, so he he he's like noteworthy for the fact that he like looked prettier than most deathmatch workers, right? Like he looked like he could be. That like, was that was not know, my memory uh, of Thumbtack Jack, but you know when we look at him, yeah, I actually kind of you know, I'm looking at no, this. He, he, no, he 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 looks like somebody where if he did do death matches and did flips, like G- Gabe would have booked him as like a blowjob babyface in 2007 okay. or whatever, you know. Um, but uh, was he one of the what, first guys I, to do like syringes and shit like that? Like, he did do syringes, and then uh, there was like a bunch of controversy because Masada uh, effectively ended his career by power bombing him onto a cinder block, I think, and he hit like the back of his head and his neck. Okay, grim. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Of that. You got a DJ Hyde Nate hatred. I'm sure that. I'm sure that was a classic. Black- we should have been talking about that yeah, one. Blackout versus Team. I don't know which version of Blackout. 
uh, versus Team Maction. I think we're like a North Carolina pair of brothers. God, fuck, fuck. Yeah, you might be uh, right. I don't. I have no memory of uh, that. Naptown Dragons, who I do not remember who the Naptown Dragons were. I think. I mean, at, it wasn't. It was Scotty Vortex and Drake Younger at one point, but I think by this point, it was Scotty Vortex and somebody else. Drake Younger works later in the card, and then Azriel yeah. and Bendito Junior are JPW guys. This is JPW Azriel, not Wildside Azriel, who may was in. Uh, Two matches in my book, Wildside Azrael. Not JPW Azrael, but he was fine too. Uh, Greg Excellent versus Drew Blood. I don't really remember either of those guys. Drew, I think I remember Drew. Maybe confusing Drew. Was Drew Blood the guy who was your. Um, uh, who was the scumbag who owned the ring and then booked himself on everything and then killed his family? Rock and Robin. Rock and Rebel. Rock and Rebel. Rock and Robin was. Rock and was uh, yeah, Jake yeah. Roberts' abused sister. Uh, Rock and, was he the Rock and Rebel like opponent? Like Rock and Rebel would always work Drew Blood when he'd force his way out of cards because he owned the ring or the rest of uh, Am I thinking of somebody else? Maybe. Could that would be Drew Moore. There is. <laughs> it's Drew. Yeah. Oh, I think. There, yeah, there's, there's a bunch, <laughs> there's a, right? There's a uh, bunch of. Bucky and Siobhan <laughs> would know that more than yeah. me, I think. Uh, and then we got. Uh, the, so I don't remember either of those guys particularly. Eddie Kingston. Uh, versus Egoto, Fantastico versus B Boy versus John Moxley. That might have been okay. Not a, not a big egotistico yeah. Fantastico guy. I like the other three guys, all right. I mean, he's the worst guy in that match by like a pretty wide margin. Uh, right? Yeah, he was like the third best guy doing a racist fake Mexican gimmick around that period. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a bu- there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them uh, yeah. doing that, doing like a racist, uh, I'm pretending to be a Mexican gimmicks, but I think he was the least of them, or maybe, maybe not the least of them, but like in the, not the best of them, certainly. I mean, he's certainly not number right. one. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the best around versus Blackout. I don't know if this is the same members of Blackout that were in the original match or different members of Blackout. Um, I remember kind of liking the best around. I don't, I don't remember much about them. I remember thinking that they were pretty good, but I don't. They're Canadians, sure. maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then Drake Younger, uh, the... The in the news Drake Younger uh, versus Devon Moore would <laughs> uh, was your semi main. So yeah, that's a 2009 CCW card. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a and then Cage and then Death. Death. You know? Some guys, some guys on this then, some some pretty guys who ended up being pretty big stars. Weirdly on the show, right? Uh, yeah, I mean there's there's a bunch of guys that are now on national television every yeah. week who. Who are on this yeah. show? So uh, and the guy, and then uh, yeah. So that, that's, I mean, I can imagine if you went to the if you went to there's no way if you went to the show you'd go home unhappy. And I don't know. No, and I don't know if there not. might might yeah. maybe maybe at least maybe, maybe all of this is pretty good. Um, although again, this is not your height of ECW of CCW certainly. I don't think uh, not at this point. Again, it looks like Gage is your only like. CZW original still really around. Yes, I guess Nate yeah, Hatred. I mean, Gage was the, but Nate Hatred is working, you know, pretty low on this card. Right. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, so it's sort of like a changing of the guard type period because, like, all of the Zandig guys are out, right? Like DJ Hyde is bringing in his own people, but then like. Uh, by that point, I mean, Masada must have been in Japan or something, right? Because he 
Otherwise, he would have been on this card, right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Interesting. So it was a very. This match is excellent, um, and I, you know, to sort of sum it up, I don't know how much people have actually seen this match. Um, it is one of only two two matches from two thousand nine in my book. Uh, the other one is. Kevin Nash McFoley from TNA, which is a very different match, but also very, very good. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a, a this is the one I this is the match I picked to really represent this sort of you know all of it at the wall, heavy stunts, glass, barbed wire kind of uh, thing. I think this is the best that anyone's ever done it, um, and it, you know it certainly is something that deserved. A place in here because I think it is a, it is a style and that has a lot of people that are very fond of it and you know has a lot of performers who have been very successful doing it and, um, and you know I think it's the it, and uh, you know you even see some of it I, I think there is this is something that uh, you know AEW does some of now uh, to mix success but certainly does it um, and then you know it, it's 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 compelling I mean it is. Really, really, uh, a match that you know you will remember for a long time uh, when you watch it. I think in a way that I think I don't know how many of you know the matches that, that are run now are going to be things that people are going to remember in ten years. No, no, but I mean this. So to me, I mean I think the thing that I would I would say about this match, and I, I'm. One of my like things that I devote a lot of brain space to in, in wrestling is the idea of like a context-free match, like um, because the matches that people like us generally want to show non-fans, uh, if you wanted to show a non-fan a wrestling match, are things that like need a huge amount of context clues to be enjoyable, you know. Um, but I think this is a rare match that functions as a payoff for people who have invested a huge amount of time, but also would function on some level as like a context free. You can just watch this and understand that these two people do not care for each other and that this guy's the bad guy. Or, or for themselves, right? I mean, you know, like, they don't care for each other. They don't care for right. themselves. Yeah. Um, you know who the good guy and the bad guy are. There's no there's no shades of gray, you know, in a time period where everything had shades of gray. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it, it really does work on the levels that I think professional wrestling intrinsically needs to work on. Yeah, it does. I don't know if this is something I would show. No, I, you know, uh, you, somebody you, who was yeah, not a fan you, of wrestling, it is extreme. You, you have a new girlfriend, a and she's like, "Hey, I want to know what this wrestling thing's all about." I, I probably don't lead with Sammy Callahan versus Danny Havoc from <laughs> from Cage no. of Death. And also, and also, maybe find a girlfriend who tolerates this but doesn't yeah. embrace yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> my my wife tolerates that I do this. She's very, you know, seems very happy and proud that I wrote this book and thinks it's cool that I'm doing this. But as it's somebody who's gonna look at, uh, and I even dragged her to an Evolve show or two when they're running Baltimore, and she tolerated my, it. Uh, my wife has seen Sammy Callahan wrestle. 
My wife has been to a CZW show and watched Sammy Callahan. Okay. Who was the, what was the, was this a, something that she was excited to do or something that she went along? Because no, absolutely that's, not. That's how you want that. Um, that's the, for the single people out there, I think that's the sweet spot. <laughs> Find a wife or a girlfriend who's going to be fine with this dumb thing you're interested in. So the the it was the the show was a best of the best and uh the non tournament match on that best of the best was Sammy Callahan versus Adam Cole and it was like one of Sammy Callahan's last indie dates before going to WWE. Sort of a fair and, uh, who's taller? The, uh probably Adam Cole. Um but the, the it is the it is infamous in my household um, for being the only show, the only wrestling show my wife has ever gone to, where after the show she was like, "Yeah, I'm never going to one of those shows again." <laughs> I'm, uh, you, you know, you could take me to other things, but n- not that. Um, and I don't think the reason was uh, any of the wrestling that transpired, although there was sort of a death match, which I think was shocking to my wife, but it was because like a few rows over from us, there was a child uh, that was like eight or nine years old that was just like chewing loudly and staring at my wife the entire (laughs) time. And and she found it tremendously (laughs) off-putting. It is is off-putting to bring a child to a CZW show. There's nothing wrong with kids going to wrestling shows, but... Uh, season. I mean, there was a lot. Of, I went to one tournament. I think the only I've been to. A, I went to a best of the best uh, that actually. I just recorded a podcast with my uh, friend Rob Naylor, and we were reminiscing a little bit. That was where we met. Was it a best of the best in two thousand one? Um, that had like uh, Hoovy was on it, and Winger was on it, and uh, uh, I want to say uh, um, like that had a Briscoe. Versus a Briscoe when they were both like fifteen or sixteen years old. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So I went to one of those, and then I went. I did do a double header of Tournament of Death and uh, and a Arturo um, Gotti fight with my friend uh, Tom Caragaster. Oh. We did. We drove to a Tournament of Death. Uh, went. It was in the afternoon, and then we drove from mm-hmm. the Tournament of Death to an Arturo Gotti fight in Atlantic City. Uh, sure, so that sure. was an I mean, excellent road trip. Uh, that's a heck of a double. It was, a, double. It was yeah. a pretty good tournament of death. Being it was the only death match show I think I've ever been to, and it's some it's a style that when you go to one of those ones for like two hours, by the end you're just completely desensitized to everything. Oh yeah, oh yeah, completely. I, and I mean, the, I think the, the finish of that the, show, I think they threw Necro Butcher off a building or something. I don't know. Like, 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 so Butcher, I think it was Negro Butcher, maybe wife beater. And like, he took, he took like a choke bomb off like a truck through eight panes of glass and fire and barbed wire. And I don't know. Scorpions. Sure, yeah. And by, but like, as soon as it was over, it's like, Hey, like, head down. Like, it's just like, you've been so desensitized from three hours of stupidity. That even that just had like zero effect on me. Uh, and I think yeah. that, it works better in this context where you know you don't how you got your you got a death match at the beginning, but then you got your Naptown Dragons tag and your uh, and your you know and your Nate Hatred singles match, and you let them you let this then they construct this thing, 
and you you know you yes. finish with that. There's um no, I like the cage of death structure. You know the the structure of the shows. I have two good CZW crowd stories, I guess that all that I'll share. Um, Please, because the crowds do sort of get desensitized. But so I would go quite often to the Flyers Skate Zone shows uh, in like you know 2015 era i guess you know right before gcw became a thing and ccw really sort of fell apart and um my two big memories were one was uh they were lining up to let us into the show while a youth hockey tournament was going on and we we sort of had to wrap around the hockey rink and uh, as people were in line, you know, they're inevitably watching these like nine year olds play hockey. And this one kid had a breakaway and slipped and fell on the ice. And the CZW fans chanted, you fucked up. Um, and then the other one, and this will appeal to, to me and you and, and uh, another 3% of your listeners probably, was um, it was a Saturday night CZW show, and the CZW was in like the one area that they were always in, and then the rest of the building, which was like four other ice skating rink, you know, uh, free skate zones had been rented out by what had to have been 400 Chabad Jews, like ultra Orthodox <laughs> Jewish people <laughs> what? To, to do what ice skate to ice skate to ice okay. skate. Yeah. Shabbat was over. It was like 8 PM and they were just ice skating. God. It was a, and it, it was it was legitimately like something out of you know uh, I don't know not a David Lynch movie but something a symbol <laughs> I guess <laughs> maybe a gummo yeah yeah something like that <laughs> that was that's pretty great I imagine I mean, look you know it's I, the, the, I'm sure the Orthodox Jews have seen some things uh, oh yeah, oh, yeah for sure it's not like. Um, I mean, it just, just, you know, I'm sure they just said, what is this Goyesh guy? (laughs) Nonsense. Look away from, this is why why you shouldn't be involved in the secular world. (laughs) This is what happens. To to them, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, this is Tuesday, right? Like, what what is it? All of it is like this, right? This is what happens when you don't stand for it. I looked at you and they're like, there's a nice Jewish boy who's gone fucking astray. (laughs) Exactly, right? I need, I need more Gamara in my life, and that's it. <laughs> all right, yeah, all right. Well, Jr., I, I, uh, this was a pleasure. It was a great, uh, a great chat. I think I had a lot of fun uh, talking about this yeah. nonsense. I think this is a match that folks, uh, I am eager for folks to check out if they haven't. I think it's probably one of the lesser watched matches in the book, but it's a great one. I think it's on. It's certainly on high spots. Um, is a, uh, their network? It's on Powerbomb too. It's on Powerbomb, yeah. it's available. I, you know, I, I like I say about all of these matches. If you're listening to this pod and bought the book and can't find it, 
you know, my DMs are open. I can get your, I can get, you, I can get, I can, I can slip you something under the table. Certainly, if to check this stuff out because I think it's really worth seeing. Um, let's uh, let's do some plugs before we we call it uh, a, a, a night. Um, you can pick up our. Tell them again how you can pick up our uh, communal uh, work of literature. Yeah, so uh, Meth Lab Battle Arts is is available on my itch page, which is JR Gold B at uh, or JR Gold B dot itch dot IO, uh, which when I made that name, I did not realize that it spelled out JR Gold Bitch dot IO. Um, but it is what it is. It's too late to change it. Um, on there, you'll also uh, see a bunch of the RPGs that I've made. Um, uh, including an RPG uh, based on Survival Tobita, um, which I have hard copies of too. Um, it, if you order Methylab Battle Arts, I'll throw one in. Um, and then uh, I guess my most popular book or thing is I have a collection of uh, Jewish role-playing games that I've curated and put out with uh, uh, you know, a writing partner and a bunch of other great designers so that's available too um and if you guys like way of the blade uh i think you would like meth lab battle arts it is of a similar uh you know tone obviously i don't know i don't don't know how many different tones i have as a writer i'm somebody who kind of does a thing and jr and jr is a better writer than i am and i think his essays are better than mine so you if you like if you like the way the blade you should read this and in and uh, uh, and enjoy what he writes too, because I think he's tremendous. And then people can read your writing. You said you uh, write for fan site sometimes. I do not know what that is. Yeah, fan, fan fight. fight. It's like a you know, it's a, a wrestling thing. I've also written about NASCAR for them. Um, and then uh, obviously, most of my wrestling writing at this point is with yes, you. Yes, Segunda Kaida, oh, which no, is excellent. I'm so. very I'm always very happy when I when you write uh, some stuff. For us, I uh, I try to get you to do it as much as I can, and I always am very happy when you do. I know there are some things that you have written which are languishing in the deadly drafts folder as we speak, waiting for either me or Eric (laughs) or me and Eric to add to them. So hopefully there'll be some stuff coming out with you on it, and maybe I'll be able to convince you to to dig into some other projects or something like that for us there. um, If you uh, have not bought the book yet and uh, Wave the Blade, uh, it is available on Amazon, and we have uh, we're, um, continuing to be putting these podcasts out once a week. So if you've come just for Jr. Uh, or just for Danny Havoc or just for Sammy Callahan, please uh, listen to all of the ones that we have recorded uh, before this and all the ones that we will record after this. And uh, Jr., it was always a pleasure, and I'm sure I will talk to you soon again, my friend. Absolutely. It was a pleasure, Phil. Nice talking to you.